Rhythm is everywhere. Rhythm is more than just music or dancing. Rhythm is in the ocean. Rhythm is in the sky with bird migrations, insects, and more. Rhythm is in the world. And it is partly how God built his world. Your body has rhythms, your heartbeat, your breathing, your circadian rhythm for your sleep and wake cycles. Just like everything else in the universe, our faith needs rhythms as well. Privately, for reading scripture, praying, giving. Our faith also needs rhythms publicly, gathering with church, being connected to small groups, communion. And just like the ocean or our body, if we lose our rhythms of faith, our faith starts to fall apart. That we need rhythms because they can make this invisible God real, almost tangible. They help us experience him. Now, for some of you, disciplines might be a more familiar word. But for others of you, the word discipline evokes negative memories or might not even really be that helpful at all. For some people, disciplines are things that you're supposed to do but you don't want to do. And on top of that, we also could throw in the title of this series, Habits. Each of them sort of bring about a slightly different but similar emphasis. Uh, Rhythms are the fluctuation or the natural flow marked by regular recurrence or repetition. Disciplines are training or developing a pattern of behavior. Habits are a behavior that's acquired by frequent repetition. And at their best, these can be healthy and productive parts of our lives that we enjoy. But at their worst, we dread these things, and doing or not doing them can be devastating to our health. For the purposes of our message today, these terms are going to be sort of interchangeable. However, I plan on primarily using rhythms. In fact, I strongly consider just calling this whole series rhythms. And if there's one of those terms that resonates more with you, feel free to insert that. But we need spiritual rhythms to experience God. Beliefs are important, but if we only have beliefs without repetition and fluctuation, without rhythms with God, we can end up just wandering around aimlessly, without a purpose. Interestingly, while much of our country has sort of shifted away from spiritual rhythms connected to Jesus and the church, we have rhythms in other parts of our lives as well. One of the biggest areas is sports. There are rhythms everywhere in sports. And many times these rhythms uh, continue through good times and not so good times. There's the rhythm of sports seasons. Uh, Football starts in August and ends in February. Basketball and hockey start in October and end in June. Uh, Pitchers and catchers report next, or for spring training next month. And baseball runs through October. There's the rhythm of the game. Fans used to show up for games, and then the players stretch and go through their own routine and rhythm. And then there's the rhythm in each game. There's nine innings, four quarters, three periods. There's space, time, and structure in these rhythms. And your faith and my faith needs those same elements as well. That our faith needs designated space where, where you are, where you're to go, along with space for others to gather as well. That our faith needs time because without it, there's really no development or investment. And our faith needs structure. Some of us need more structure than others, but we all need structure to help direct us. That if your faith is just sort of floaty, lofty ideas and beliefs without regular rhythms with God, over time those beliefs or ideas about God will unravel. And our faith needs rhythms, habits, or disciplines to thrive and flourish. So today we're talking about the rhythms that can help our faith to grow. So a question for discussion. What rhythm, discipline, or habit has helped your faith grow the most? If we lose our rhythms, though, of faith, our faith starts to fall apart. And in this COVID season, it is likely that we may have lost many of our rhythms with God, or we have forgotten why they are important. That we need rhythms because they can make this invisible God real, almost tangible. They help us experience him, especially when we need God in these challenging times. So what do these rhythms really involve? These rhythms are activities using our resources of time, money, and energy. Because when you see how using your time, money, and energy can sort of intersect with God's presence, your faith grows. Now, to be very clear, we aren't doing any fundraising right now, so you can relax about the money part. 
At the very base level, when we use something we have and God sort of intersects that, our faith grows. And when you use your time and mental energy to talk to God or listen to him, you experience God directing you. When you use your time and energy to serve others, you can experience God. When you offer your money to help people who God loves, which is anyone, you can experience God. Now, when we do these things occasionally or sort of sporadically, we feel good in the moment, but we can miss out on the rhythm of experiencing God or the regular recurrence of experiencing God. And Jesus indicates that there's a connection between these rhythms uh, of using our resources and experiencing God. Uh, These rhythms have a sort of a large faith-building element that can really be overlooked. And obviously, these rhythms are, are bigger than just your faith, but building personal faith is definitely a part of it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 if you want to follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, you can head to bible.com slash app. And if you do have the app, you can go to the more menu option uh, in the bottom right, then select events and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 1. It says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. And Jesus is beginning his discussion by talking to them about some of these rhythms that are meant to be done in private. And your Heavenly Father will see them in private, even though they're in private, and he will reward you. And the implication is pretty amazing. And we can easily sort of gloss over it, that if you practice these rhythms that Jesus is going to explain further, if you practice these rhythms, your Heavenly Father will see this, which is rather amazing for an infinite God. Now, the reward is not really defined further, but maybe that's because the reward is different for different situations with different people. But I think it's possible that the reward is experiencing God, that you know that God sees you. He continues on verse 2. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. That Jesus tells them how to give quietly, not announcing with trumpets. And the people who give loudly, they want to be validated by the people. And in Jesus' day, these people would come down the street to the temple with much fanfare and attention. And they were trying to demonstrate to other people how generous they were. And those people will receive something, Jesus would say, but it will only be connected to the attention and identity from other people. He continues on, verse 3. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. If you give in secret, your Heavenly Father still sees it and he recognizes what you do in secret and he will reward you. And as you give privately to fund the things that God wants you to fund, God sees and recognizes your generosity. Now this isn't just about like meeting the needs of the poor, though that's important. This is about something between your Heavenly Father and some impact on your life. And again, Jesus doesn't directly define what the reward will be, but he does say this a few verses later in verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Those who give in front of others are searching for validation for who they are or for who they want to be. They get some reaction from the onlookers, but that's all they're going to get, validation from people. And I wonder if the reward for those who give privately is also validation and identity, but not from other people, but from God who sees what they do. And for the givers who give subtly and quietly not to be noticed, they receive their validation and identity from God. For the givers who give loudly and to be noticed by others, they are looking for validation and identity from other people. What if we really believe those words from Jesus? What if your Heavenly Father really saw and recognized your private generosity and it impacted your thinking about yourself or how you view yourself? What if you really believe that God saw you give and how it would impact the people receiving it and that in some way he would impact your life because of that? Maybe one of the reasons you don't give more is because you don't really believe that. And like each of your resources and my resources, the issue isn't the money, right? The issue is your trust and faith 
and what God says about money. That money and trust are tied together throughout the New Testament. That God doesn't need your money because after all you die, you're just going to leave it all here anyhow. The real issue is trusting and having faith in God and what he says. So what if you really believed if you took your hard-earned money and gave it to areas of where God is working all over the world and God saw that and would he reward and impact your life in some way? There probably wouldn't be that sense of, uh, uh, when you have to give, right? There wouldn't be any angst. We would say, oh, wow, there's another opportunity. That Jesus would teach that from now until your last breath, we're all sort of practicing trusting in something. And many of us are practicing trusting in our money or controlling our circumstances or controlling our circumstances with our money. Or Jesus would say, you can begin placing your trust in God now. But I want to warn you that if you begin placing your trust in God in this life, Eventually, your finances, your money, and your ability to control your circumstances with your money will raise some important questions. That if there is a God, like a personal God, who we can call Father, which Jesus teaches us, and we can trust in this personal God with our eternity, wouldn't it make sense that we could trust him with something as temporary as money? Uh, Along with how much of our identity and the validation um, we are searching for in this life, how much is that connected to how we use our money? And I'm not sure about you, but ouch, how much of my identity and the validation I am searching for in this life is connected to how I use my money. Now, when you and I give generously to someone in need or regularly support a cause, we at least occasionally have this thing inside of us that wants recognition or validation. We we want to be known for being generous. And Jesus says, if you practice this rhythm of giving in secret, your heavenly father sees it and helps you find your identity in him, not from other people. Now, maybe you don't have much money, but if you're an American, you have probably have a lot of stuff, right? Uh, maybe you try to find your identity and your validation through your stuff or food or cars or etc. That money and stuff are heart issues. They're faith issues. That money and stuff can become emotional issues. And do you know why money and stuff become emotional? Because why would we put, why would we be emotional about pieces of paper with dead presidents on it? Uh, plus occasionally that Benjamin Franklin guy, right? Money is emotional because we trust in it. Money represents our security, our comfort, our trust. We place our faith in it, and God says, I know that, but I want you to be, I want to be your source of security, your source of comfort. I want you to find your identity in me, not in others, because I am the one sustaining your life and the life around you. I want you to trust me with all your resources, including your money, stuff, time, and energy. And the tension you feel around money is really faith. It's a faith issue. Can God or will God take care of you if you give your financial resources to him? And part of the reason I know this is that I've talked to enough people that it's so clear that God is taking care of them financially. However, when I look at my life, it's not as clear because there are extenuating circumstances and there was an unexpected, well, unexpected to me, bill or other plans came up. Can God or will God take care of me if I give my financial resources to him? So a question for discussion. How have you noticed your money or stuff being connected to your identity? What rhythm could you practice that would help you? Now Jesus is going to talk about another resource that we all have the same amount of time, along with mental energy that he wants to leverage to grow our faith. Verse 5, it says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray on public street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. So I'm asking a question, who has any extra time lying around? Uh, We're all busy and we all have things to do. If I spend my time praying, I won't have anything to show for spending my time doing that. But if I do this, I will have something to show for using my time that way. Again, Jesus connects one of our resources with some sort of reward. And again, those who use this resource publicly, 
uh, for the reward, well, the reward really will only be the validation and recognition they receive from other people. Verse 6, But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And the way that Jesus describes these prayers, he's not really talking about on-the-go kind of prayers. He's talking about an intentional rhythm of using a segment of your time to listen and talk to God. And we think our most valuable asset and resource is money, but is actually time. It's as if we would say to God, but you don't know how busy I am. And God replies, well, sorry, I had no idea. And Jesus says, I want you to take your most valuable resource or asset to listen to and talk with your father in private. Doing this shows you're trusting in him with your time. Because busyness is really all about you. Busyness is all about your family, your schedule, your agenda. And Jesus would also go on to talk about something else that almost no one else does today. The idea being that if you sacrifice eating a meal or something of value to you, but again, not for the purpose of getting the attention of other people, if you fast and sacrifice something that you value, God will reward you. And again, Jesus doesn't directly define the reward, but there is some sort of reward for using your time and resources to connect with God. Now, if you ask people who regularly use a segment of their time to listen and talk with God, and if you can even find someone who has the same rhythm of fasting, uh, they would tell you that they aren't exactly sure what the reward is that Jesus is referring to. They would tell you that the reward is not God answering all of your prayers. They would tell you that they walk away from their times of prayer with a stronger confidence that God is with them. They would tell you that they can walk towards the uncertainty of the day, and today especially, with a clear sense of how God sees them and the world around them. And I think the reward that Jesus references when we pray in secret is at least partially connected to our identity. That some of us want validation that we are important by being sort of busy or not having time for things. And some of us find our identity in how we use our time. And rhythms with God, especially a regular rhythm of prayer, reminds us of who we are. This rhythm keeps us from turning our attention to searching for validation or our identity from other people. And in the Old Testament, there were regular rhythms all over the place with the tabernacle, the temple, the festivals, and feasts. And those rhythms with God helped the people remember who they actually were. And when they stopped practicing those rhythms, they would forget who they were and they would sort of, many times, it would lead them to wandering around. Now, for some of us, uh, one time we had rhythms uh, of reading the scriptures, of praying, of giving, of serving, and gathering for church. Now, those rhythms told us who we were, why we belonged in the world, and why we mattered. And if you've left those rhythms, isn't it true that since you left those rhythms, something about your identity feels uncertain? That we need those rhythms with God not just to reinforce morality. We need those rhythms with God to reinforce our identity. And without them, we just sort of wander around thinking our beliefs are just sufficient. Pastor Jared Hurd says it this way. He says, if you have beliefs in God but not rhythms with God, your doubt, you will doubt your identity from God. That we wander through life looking to other people to validate us and base our identity on what other people think of us. While we're looking for purpose and meaning to really these questions, who am I? Why or where do I belong in this world and why do I matter? And while most religions or belief systems involve some sort of information that you believe, Christianity at its heart and its core is about an identity that you receive from God Almighty. He says, you are not without purpose or meaning. You are beloved sons and daughters. That nations, economies, cultures will come and go, but I am your God and you are my people. And through the grace of Jesus, that identity has been given to you, and you receive that by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And that identity tells you who you are and why you belong and why you matter. 
But if you're anything like me, I forget that most days. I, I go through my days and seasons looking for anyone or anything to validate me and tell me why I matter. I need, and I would suggest we all need, rhythms with God, church, scripture, praying, serving, and giving to reinforce that identity to tell me who I am. That I don't read the scriptures because I don't know what I believe. I read the scriptures because it tells me about the identity I received through Jesus. So you might be asking, well, how do I do this? And this is why we exist as a church, to help you take a next step to follow Jesus. That we've created some resources to help you, hopefully help you get started with one of these rhythms. And you could start with more than one, but I would highly recommend starting with just one of these rhythms. We're going to put all the links to these resources in the chat and in the comment section. Now, the first one is Reading Plan. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, there's a Bible app that is super helpful in starting the rhythm of reading God's Word to discover your identity. Uh, this app also has many reading plans to help, you gui- to help guide you through the scriptures based on different topics, books of the Bible, or questions that you may have. Number two, a prayer plan. To help you start the rhythm of listening and talking to God, we have a 21 days of prayer plan to help guide you through starting this habit. Number three, life groups. We would love to help you start the rhythm of regularly meeting with people searching for Jesus. You can do this through our life groups page. Number four, giving. If you would like to start the rhythm of trusting God with your money, you can find ways to give it away. Uh, To show that this isn't about like our church getting your money, there are opportunities to give to our church or to the nonprofit partners we work with throughout the year. And then number five, serving. Uh, Daniel Strickland, a pastor, says uh, that while we serve, we find our purpose. And if you're lacking purpose, we would love to help you find it through serving others. Again, you can find the links to each of these resources in the chat and in the comment section. As we wrap up uh, this message, uh, we are just like the generations before us for the most part, right? Without rhythms with God, you will begin to doubt your identity. You won't know who you are. And for those of you with kids and students, these rhythms are just as important, if not more important, for your kids as well. Because we all get our identity from somewhere. Uh, Historically, there are two general sort of ways that people acquire an identity. The first way is the traditional way, which is really outside-in. That you go outside of yourself to discover what the truth is, and then you sort of realign yourself to that particular truth. And that's how you get value and are validated. Now, the second way is the modern way, which is sort of inside out. That you look inside yourself, and then you sort of go outside and tell everyone else who you are. And you try to make the outside world congruent with who you are on the inside and what your identity is. The problem is both ways are broken. Because I'm broken. You're broken. Those around us are broken. We don't know who we are. And sometimes you want to be a maverick and you want to tell others who you are. And then some days you just sort of want peace and tranquility. And then other days you're sort of torn between those two things, right? And in the modern world, we want to believe that we can be self-validators. I determine my identity and I don't need anyone else, my parents, my friends. But that isn't true because you are relational. You are more fragile than that. And this might be partly why in the modern world, We are often more anxious, more fragile, more depressed because we think we are validating ourselves. And yet at the same time, we go to anyone and everyone needing them to validate us, telling them, like, tell me who I am, but they can't tell you who you are. And Christianity at its core is neither the traditional view nor the modern view. That you don't have to go outside yourself to find your identity. You don't have to go inside yourself to find your identity. That God has spoken on that identity over you and through the grace of God, the voice of the Father says, this is who you are. 
To discover your identity, our identity, we start with the rhythms involving God and our resources. It doesn't come from yourself, and it doesn't come from some sort of paradigm and culture. It comes from the creator of the world. You and I need rhythms with God. I need you, the church, a small group, serving, giving, using my resources. I need to carve out space in my schedule to be reminded of more than just what I believe. I need to be reminded of this identity that I have received. It holds me up, and I don't have to go out and prove it. It has been given by God himself to you and to me. I want that for you. I want us to live in that confidence. But independently of rhythms with God, it is impossible. You will forget it. I'll forget it. You'll doubt it. You'll question it. That to discover our identity, we start with the rhythms involving God and our resources. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these uh, scriptures that we read today. Thank you for the ways that you work around us. Thank you that you use things like rhythms that we see in the world all around us. And, and we see in our own lives the rhythms that happen through seasons and through, through just life in general. That, God, we see it in creation and we see it in, in creatures. We see it all around us. And yet you've also given us rhythms that we need to have with you to help discover our identity. So, God, would you please use our resources that really aren't ours to start with, but we, we sort of say that they're ours, our time and our money and, and our energy. Would you help us to use them to intersect with your presence? That we'd use them through, through giving, uh, through, through praying, through reading the scriptures, through serving other people, through gathering together, that whatever way we can use our time and our money and our energy, that, God, that you would intersect those things. You'd help us to discover who we are. To, to many, for many of us, maybe to remember who we are, that we are sons or daughters of yours, that you value us so much. And God, would you help us to not look outside of ourselves in the sense that we look to other people because we really can't trust what they're going to say either because they are probably broken as well. But God, would you help us to look outside of ourselves in the sense that we look to you as the one who can identify us, who can give us value, who can validate us in our lives, who can give us purpose and meaning. So God, would you help us to practice this habit, this rhythm of life, that we would be reading and we would be praying and we'd be giving and serving and, and meeting with other people searching for you, Jesus. Would you please help us to do this? Would you help us not to just put this in the back of our memory as something that we heard, but God, would you help us to apply it and do what you've asked us to do? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.